I don't know why I didn't put two and two together that I should have probably gone to like a broadcasting school. Um, because I have, since the time I was eight years old, I have always wanted to be a talk show host. I, when my friends would come over, we would never play like house. We wouldn't play Barbies. Like we would play a talk show. I would make them line up with all of our dolls. And I'd be like, okay, Leah, what does it feel like to have nine different children from like 10 different men? You know, like you have 10 baby daddies. Like I was always, I always knew I wanted to go into TV and radio. And I think I always wanted to do trashy television. Like, I think I've always wanted to be Sarah Springer, you know, Jerry Springer's understudy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. First, this is another pop culture conversation. So we've had David Yontaf on, we've had Taylor Ferber, we've had Dana Wilkie. So I think it's right to have Sarah Frazier from the Sarah Frazier Show. Oh my so. God. Well, you're in good company. I'm in company. good company. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. And Dana Wilkie is like one hell of a guest. So that's okay. I love that. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I have to, for everyone out there first, Sarah has an extensive resume, but I'm going to hit a few highlights. She appears weekly on Fox 5's number one rated Good Day DC, discussing lifestyle, millennial, Tuesday talker stories. Okay. We have to talk about that. I know she talks <laughs> about open marriage conversation. So that's a highlight that we have to hit. Um, Sarah was the lead co-host of the only radio show in the DC metro area that featured two women's names in the title. From 2007 to 2013, Sarah spent her mornings co-hosting the DC metro area's top rating top-rated morning drive show among adults. Apparently it did boost more Oh, it boasted more than 20 million listeners in the D.C. area and on iHeartRadio. Okay, and she was the former co-host of The Kane Show. So I'm going to get into it, Sarah. You have- Oh my God, a, yes. Because amazing. I, like, it's amazing, this resume. It's the longest fucking resume. I mean, do we curse on your show? Oh I yeah, go for it. Okay, yes, you're Thank okay. God. I, yeah, okay, yeah. I, got, I really need to revise the bio because I mean, that shit is so long. <laughs> no, but I mean- <laughs> I want to just learn. So now I know Sarah through her Sarah Fraser show podcast um, through David Yontef because they do these like deep dive Bravo discussions every Thursday it comes out. So, yep, yep I'm going to be ready. You know, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so I can't wait to hear what happens tomorrow. But when did you did you always have a radio TV background? Like, was that your undergrad? <laughs> Yes. Well, I went to an all women's college. I went to Mount Holyoke um, mm -hmm. in Western Massachusetts. So actually they were liberal arts. They had no communications um, degree. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together that I should have probably gone to like a broadcasting school. Um, because I have, since the time I was eight years old, I have always wanted to be a talk show host. I when my friends would come over, we would never play like house. We wouldn't play Barbies. Like we would play a talk show. I would make them line up with all of our dolls. And I'd be like, okay, Leah, what does it feel like to have nine different children from like 10 different men? You know, like you have 10 baby daddies. Like I was always, I always knew I wanted to go into TV and radio. 
And I think I always wanted to do trashy television. Like, I think I've always wanted to be Sarah Springer, you know, Jerry Springer's understudy. That's what I was going to say. And I was going to say the talking yeah. about baby daddies. It's like right out of Maury. Oh, um, I, I used to watch Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Oprah, Maury, every, I've been to a more, I've been to two Maury tapings. So yes, I knew. Um, I went to a liberal arts college, so I didn't major in broadcasting. But then when I graduated, I happened to like, couple of my uncles, my gunkles, um, they were together for like 40 years before my gunkle passed. Um, they lived in DC. And so they said, you should move to Washington. It's a great media town. You should move there. So I did. And I happened to have a one day internship, like a one day in the building, um, internship at Fox five, which is really funny. Cause years later I ended up work. I, I still work for them, but I had a news anchor tell me, like, he was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, I want to like make people laugh and I want to do trashy stories. And he's like, let me just stop you. Don't go into news because if you go into news, they're going to put you out on a murder beat. No, they're not going to let you have a personality. You should go into morning radio, mm. which never had occurred to me. Like I didn't even think about being a morning radio host. And that's sort of how I started my journey in DC as a morning radio host. And then within like a couple of years of living there, I landed the Kane show job. And for anybody that lived in the DC area from like 2007 until, I mean, the show just ended like maybe a couple of years ago. So it was it, like anyone that knew that area, that show was like what you listened to. So it, it was a pretty cool ride. Yeah. Well, and I grew up in South Jersey, like right by Philly. So like for us, it was, um, well, Q102 was, is still really popular, but like now yeah. it's the Elvis Duran show, which- Right. That he's a guru. Yeah. Oh my God. Elvis is one of the greatest. I mean, that was always like the standard that we were all trying to be like. So yeah, I mean, and we all worked for iHeartRadio. And yeah, that he was huge and still is there. Yeah. And I actually love that all of these morning radio shows have transferred over to the podcast community. Like they do both. So like I listen to Elvis Duran on podcast for platforms. Yeah. As everybody. you know, I'm not tuning in in the morning. It's, yeah. you know, once Netflix went on demand with shows, right. Where there's no more really, except for like Super Bowl and a couple different things, you know, appointment live watching radio and audio went there too. And it was like, why do I have to listen at 7am? I want to listen when I want to listen. And that's where podcasting has become huge. Yeah. So when did you actually know that podcasting was a space where you wanted your voice to be amplified? Um, six years ago, because I knew radio was really dying. So <laughs> it was a long time saying in radio, radio is dead. But six years ago in 2015, and you know, there's also a saying in radio, you haven't been in radio until you've been fired. So I think I've been fired from four radio jobs out of my like five radio jobs. So the last job I had, I wasn't really fired. I was re I was transferred. They wanted me to stay on and be the, the midday girl. Right. And so the money was really good, but I was like, I can't, I can't do this because in 2015, we would go out to radio station events and young people, I would say to them, what do you listen to? And they're like, Oh, I listen to this podcast. I listen to serial. I listen to NPR. I'm like, this is finally the kiss of death to radio. Like people are not going to listen to morning radio anymore. So I took my severance package money. And in 2016, I started my own podcast. And I mean, when I started my own podcast, like I used to trend 
this is kind of crazy because I would trend like every day in Apple, like top podcasts. Cause like it was Joe Rogan and like five other people that we all had podcasts. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like yeah. back in the good old days, but five years ago, you couldn't get any advertisers because no one knew what a podcast was. Yeah. Well, but you filled that pop culture niche so well then, because I mean, I didn't get into podcasts until the pandemic. I'm like, wait, I have all this time where I'm not move driving around. I'm not, you know, in Long Island traffic. I'm just stuck at home on Zooms. I need to fill my ears with information. So yeah, when I found the podcast field, not field, but when I found that as a genre, I mean, the change though that's happened from 2020 until now, the amount of podcasts, and we can get into that, like the amount of public personalities who now have podcasts, that has been the most intriguing, right? Like everyone I feel now, they start with a podcast. I'm sure you probably saw this, but Wendy Williams is launching her own podcast. And, you know, one of the reasons she's launching it is because she feels like she can make more money podcasting. I mean, Joe Rogan did a hundred million dollar deal. Alex Cooper from Call Her Daddy did a $60 million reported deal. And I mean, that's just the, that those are just, I mean, the Obamas have done a multi-million dollar deal. I mean, that's just some, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, it makes me so happy to see podcasting succeed because when I started five years ago, I mean, I literally had people in my industry call me and they were like, this is a terrible look for you. This is really bad. And I mean, I used to record my podcast and always a shout out if you're in the DC area at the DC improv, like Allison Jaffe is, is a female comedy own comedy club owner. And she gave me my first shot. Like she let me record the podcast there every single, you know, like multiple days a week. And I just love it because people were like, oh, that's really, it's not great. And then it's, it's been interesting to see now, five years later, so many of those people in radio and TV all have podcasts. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting though, like how they were concerned about your image. I mean, what do they say now to you? They probably (laughs) applaud you. They're like, Sarah, (laughs) you were on the cutting edge. Like we doubted you. So many have called me and they're like, Hey, you know, can I, can I rack your brain about, you know, starting my own podcast? Mm -hmm. What do you think? All this stuff. Um, a lot of them, you know, some of them have never called me, which is fine. Um, but you know, I think it's, I don't, I never look at it like, Oh, I told you so I look at it as when people do that, I feel like, ah, that's like a reassurance. And I hope it's a reassurance for your listeners to bet on yourself and go with your gut. Because I knew if I stayed in that radio position as a midday woman, I just, yes, the money would be awesome. But aside from that, I was just delaying like any career growth because uh, they're just, people weren't going to listen anymore. They, they want to listen when they want to the type of content that they want to pause and come back to it. And um, so I, I think when people call me and say that, I'm like, okay, you know what, Sarah, bet on yourself, go with your gut. Yeah. Well, I mean- I was getting so much academic, not pushback, but just questions from, especially with um, traditional fields. Like I almost have my PhD and I just realized, wait, there's no like literary, analytic, kind of scholarly and formal conversations to the public. Like who's interviewing writers and authors and, you know, what I'm doing here, like bringing scholarship to the Sarah Fraser show. Like we need to, (laughs) right? have these in-depth conversations. And 
I did get some eyebrows raised. Like, why are you going to do that when you're going to go on the job market? But now everyone realizes, oh, we're assigning this to students. Like, we're going to put this in curriculum where we need our own podcast. But you're right. It's, and especially in academics, I always find they're on like a 10-year learning curve. Yeah, totally. You you have to be a trailblazer. And I always think like, yeah, when you look back on things, you're like, oh my God, I, I totally should have done that. I, sh- I should have tried that. I should have, you know, people are just so afraid of outside the box and, you know, rightfully so. I think over the years we have seen people, small examples of people who kind of step outside the box and then are reprimanded for it. But I find when that happens, because I've obviously made career choices and be fi- been fired or things haven't worked out but it just always redirects you, you know, into what you're supposed to be doing if you truly believe in your work. Yeah. And it's so exciting to hear your conversations because I mean, you have such a blend of content and that's what I gravitated towards because, you know, like some were thinking, oh, Andrew, you interview, you know, contemporary authors. Now you're interviewing a reality TV persona like Daniel Wilkie, but not realizing, well, this is all inter, you know, related. So like, can you speak to that? Like, how do you blend these topics together? Well, it's taken me a really long time. And I would say maybe one of the things that is my weakness is I've really never had a niche. And I think, you know, I think in some ways that it's been great on a personal level, because part of the reason I wanted to start my own podcast is I had always co-hosted with other people. And even we'll talk about my stand-up comedy journey, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's kind of this weird fear that I've always had to step out on my own, to host my own things, to be my own stand-up comic on stage. And, um, so it, like, I think one of the biggest things that I had a a really hard time with is the podcast has gone through many changes. I've tried different things. I've tried true crime. I've tried, you know, serious conversations. I've tried, you know, on like live podcasts and, and pop culture and then not pop culture and comedy. So I really kind of finally have found this formula where I'm like on Mondays, I talk to anyone that I fucking want, you know, Tuesdays is about my personal life. Cause people from the radio have followed my personal life. You know, my journey of being single, married, having a kid Wednesdays, I'm obsessed with TLC shows. So I talk TLC shows and then Thursday through Sunday, I really put out um, a lot of like content with my friend, David Yontif, but it's kind of like anything goes. And I think that you should give yourself a lot of space because people do just say niche, niche, niche. But I think what you find, like, I mean, I always go to, I I do love Joe Rogan as an example. I mean, he just, his only filter is his curiosity, which, I mean, you can argue like he's not informed or whatever opinion you have about him. But I think that really isn't a structure and he is the biggest podcaster in the world. Yeah. And I have to say, you're such an, like, I can tell how open-minded you are like in the field, but also how authentic you are. Like Sarah's recent episode that I had listened to, like you go through a political discussion about Roe v. Wade and your own personal journey. And then you like jump to TLC, a 90 day fiance. And then you're jumping to like having the Kellogg tiger couture dress. And then you're like talking about Schman, your husband and you know, that journey with LA versus the Northeast. Like I just, 
but it's wonderful to get all that content and you pack it into like 25 minutes, which I'm deeply impressed with because, you know, but I, what I love though, is you offer different amounts of time with your content. Like, cause I was we always try. worried about that. Like, does it have to always be the same formula? No, I don't think, but you know, everybody has their own thing. Right. And in some ways, you know, my podcast has probably been slower to have financial success because it, it is sometimes like, well, what is it, you know, but I want to treat it like you and I were having a conversation that wasn't being recorded. You know, if you, and when you and I meet in real life, we're going to talk about everything from your relationship to my relationship, to the waiter, to the, the you know, exactly. and that's kind of what I want the podcast to be. I mean, I don't, I don't get together with any of my friends and talk on the same subject for one hour. Rarely. I mean, you know, sometimes, but most of the time we're like, what did you think about this? What's going on with this? But you know what I mean? Like, so that's kind of what I want when people, and I'm the same way. Like I can listen to a conversation about a topic for like an maybe 30 minutes, but then it's like, I want something else. Yeah. Well, like I have that habit of like always flipping, like listening to one, then maybe pausing, listening to Sirius radio to like Jeff Lewis live, then the Michelle yeah. Collins show. Like I'm always just flipping around and then listening to an audiobook. Like I just love that content that's delivered, the learning that happens. Oh. Yeah. And um, well, that's where with Joe Rogan, I don't think anyone, well, maybe a few select few listen to the full three hours, but Ooh, I really feel I like it's, it's like cooking time. It's something in the back that you like hear something that sparks an idea and you're like, okay, that's, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do my email right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like he has a very white noise podcast and that's not to, you know, put it down, but like, he understands that this is just filling time yeah, for and how that man sits with a guest for three hours. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I adore you already, but like, you know, two hours is like tops. You know what I'm fucking saying? Like we have other That's things to lot. do. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, we got to get home and watch TLC shows. Like it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> well, let's go with TLC. Cause you have this deep fascination that, I mean, I think I have with my journey to reality TV, but like, how did you just, where did this TLC fascination start? Okay, three years ago, and I mean, if you're a 90 Day Fiance fan, they're in like their ninth season, so I'm late to this game. But I would say three years ago, maybe even four, it started with the show Welcome to Plathville. If you haven't watched, it's about Kim and Barry Plath. They live in Georgia. They have 10 children, um, and they raise their kids without any social media. So, and this is like recent, their kids are young. They're, some of their kids are like still like 11 years old, right? They had, they never had, they never had drank a Coke. They'd never seen a cell phone. They'd never watched TV. They only could watch like Christian films. I was so fascinated because I mean, we're so exposed to everything. I'm like, how the fuck did they keep these kids away from like a, an iPhone, right? For all these years, they didn't even tell the kids like what a menstrual cycle was. Like these kids didn't even know what a fucking tampon was. It, it's so wild. So I got into the show. I reached out to Olivia Plath, who's one of the stars of the show. I was like, you got to come on. Anyway, it, it turned out to be one of my highest listened episodes ever. And I was like, God, I didn't realize how many people are into this. And I'm genuinely into this. And so from there, it just went, I've, I've interviewed a lot of the TLC stars from 90 Day Fiance. I mean, 
if you follow before the 90 days, there was just an epic season. Ben Rathbun was just on my podcast um, talking about his relationship with Mahogany. I love their shows. They do so many subculture shows and it's just like, you just watch and you it's a train wreck and you can't help but look. Well, you're making me want to watch 90 Day Fiance because, <laughs> well, like when I was coming up with talking points with Sarah, I like went through this deep, psychological journey of like, wait, what was my reality TV life? Like, when did it begin? And I mean, I think it began with Survivor for me. Like I, my family, we were the competition family, like Survivor, Amazing Race. Um, uh, And then my mom really was into The Bachelor and Bachelorette. And yeah, I mean, I think though, my love really came from the housewives and dance moms. I know. Oh, Dance Moms was really good. And Dance Moms was on TLC with our girl, there Abby go. Miller. Oh, That's yes. how you knew it. That yes. was like a huge show for them. And then John and Kate plus eight, if you ever, you're probably too young, but that was yeah. like, yeah. oh my God, back in the day. But I remember the divorce. Good. I remember the fallout. Oh. Like there's like a really zany interview with Kate on The View. And oh, yes. Yeah, oh my God. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You're and like Whoopi's grilling her. <laughs> But oh. the view, like even to me, the view is a type of reality show. It's yeah, like I love it. I watched the, the drama. For years. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh but God, now that yeah. Megan McCain's gone, I miss. I know the. She fight. would bring it, and she's a huge <laughs> Housewives fan, and I think she's actually really good friends with Carlos King. Because yeah, and she's yeah, of course yeah. you know she's been on Watch What Happens Live many times. You know, I think she has. I don't know to what degree a friendship with Andy Cohen, but I mean, she, yeah, she was so good. I love the, cause I was going to say, I used to watch the view when Rosie O'Donnell and Elizabeth oh, Hasselback yeah. would fight and they would do the split screen, which I think is why Rosie ended up quitting. Cause she hated, but it was so good. It was such great television. Yeah. And I think Megan McCain's ah. in DC, if I remember correctly, I don't, Could she's be right. kind of like yes. Arizona DC, but maybe they should put her in the real housewives of DC. Cause I've heard talks. They're trying to bring it back. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Look, I think she could even hold her own in Potomac, honestly. That's true. Okay, well, Sarah knows some of the, how did you get to- Oh, I love them. Know the Potomac cast. Is it through Fox 5? Okay, hold on to that question because we'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. them through Fox five. And, um, a lot of them listen to the Kane show. So, you know, Ashley Darby and her mom were longtime radio fans of the Kane show. So they were like, when they first started, we got a lot of interviews and talked to them because they were fans of ours. Um, Candace, uh, you know, through Fox five, um, Robin, probably the same way. Um, Karen Huger, I mean, Karen Huger and I have hosted events together and then, um, she, she's been on my podcast. Um, I think Giselle is like the only person, Mia Giselle, I haven't had on, 
Um, so many Monique Samuels. I mean, Monique has been so generous to me, like done multiple of my podcast shows, live shows. Um, I've done her live podcast show. She's they're all amazing. I, I love that franchise. Yeah. I have an affinity to Monique. Like I, me too. maybe she's- it's cause she's from Jersey originally, I think, but, um, I don't know. There's just something very authentic and, um, yeah, I love that Carlos King has kind of like swept her <laughs> into his universe. Swept her up, yes. I don't I know. know. I think there's some Carlos King, Andy Cohen, ooh some, rivalry. Yeah, I think there's like a competitive production rivalry. I, I don't know if it's a rivalry or I think Carlos King is trying to create his own reality space, which is great. Like, I think um, Bravo is having a it. lot of questions right now. Like, I mean, let's get into that. Which yeah. You know, well, David and yeah. I discuss this all the time. I do think, look, part of the reason, and I, I now live in Los Angeles. I was a long time DC, you know, I, DC is like my home. I'm so grateful for it. But I like last year, I just knew I needed to move because I want to be a national TV host. I want to be a producer. Mm-hmm. I want to be a comedian. So we moved to Los Angeles this past January. And one of the reasons I'm here is pitching TV shows. And I mean, there is a you know, I do think Bravo is at a crossroads with their content because I do a lot of these franchises for housewives have gone 15 seasons, 16 seasons. I mean, I, I can't even, how many, what season are we on in Atlanta? I mean, that's one of the originals. Yeah. So I think they are looking for really desperately their next, like, what is it going to be? Because I think a little bit the charm of housewives is wearing off, right? There's a formula. I think we see it in Dubai. You know, it's like they they try to fight, they have these arguments, then they get back together. And it's just, and I I don't know, you know, I think I think they're struggling. Like, what is it? You know? Yeah, and it's not the city, I have to say, like from all the Bravo inside analysts from their pop culture podcast community. It's not the city. Like you're saying, Sarah, it's the personalities. Like that's why Salt Lake City, in my opinion, works so well. Like I've been to Salt Lake City. It's a nice city, but like it wouldn't be my, oh, this is going to be the destination for filming. Like I would probably choose, I don't know, something... More glamorous. No. I mean, or you glamorous. do another show, no. you know, I mean, look, we we see so many shows in Los Angeles, Orange County, you know, you, you'd go to these places where you yeah. just kind of envision there's more glitz, there's more glam. New York, New Jersey, Long Island, the Hamptons, you know, yeah. but we saw with Salt Lake, I mean, the French, the, that group of women. And I also think this is really fucked up, but I do think we're now at the stage, like almost Sadly, if there isn't a criminal investigation on one of them, it's like, we're not interested. You know what I mean? I mean, part of us are watching because it's like, is Jen Shaw going to actually go to jail? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. The, the line keeps moving further and further. And now like, it's an expectation, but like, I was, I just came back from San Francisco and I'm like, what? I loved that city. I am like obsessed now. I mean, I've been to SoCal a few times. I like. Los Angeles to me kind of reminds me of a more spread out Northeast, like especially Jersey. It gives me Jersey, New York City, Long Island. Oh, vibes. yeah. LA's a vibe for sure. I mean, it's yeah. it, and people kind of love LA or they or they don't. I mean, I love Los Angeles. If my husband were on this podcast, he'd have a whole different take, you know, <laughs> but I love LA. It's just it's so chill. It's very it's like. 
what the East Coast would be if everybody on the East Coast was high, you know, but it, <laughs> it's kind of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because we know there's an energy on the East Coast that's, you know, a little high strung sometimes. Totally. Um, I mean, like there isn't the intent, like people are so chill here. They're late to everything. They're, you know, nothing is like urgent. Um, and even like when you go to the doctor, I feel like there's no rush. Like people are always like, I'm being rushed in and out of the doctor. We'll move to Los Angeles because they don't hurry. Like they're there. It's like everyone takes their fucking time. Yeah. Well, and all the scenery, I mean, right from nature trails to the beaches, like we have family friends in Orange County. And I was like, oh my goodness, these beaches are beautiful. Like I think it was Huntington Beach we went to or something, but you know, there's just so much to see. So yeah, I'm with you. And also I love that donut shop you keep going to. <laughs> Oh my God. It's so good. The one that we went to. Oh my God. Why am I drawing a blank? It's great. It's in Inglewood. Oh, what was, uh, it's not called Ralph's, is it? What's it? What was that donut shop that we went to? Was it, was it called Randy's? Oh my God. Go to Randy's donut when you come to LA. There you go. Okay. I'll go to Randy's donut. Well, also I'm going to reach out to you, Sarah, if I come to LA, but Oh, um, oh my God, please. We'll get together. We'll go to Craig's have fabulous lunch. There we go. There we go. But yeah, like back to, right. It's, like with San Francisco, that like if you want beautiful scenery with homes and things, that would be where it is. But right. if a group, if a group of women with organic commute, like an organic community doesn't exist, like to me, that's why I'm just kind of tuned out of Dubai. I'm like, next, I can't. We I'm not are. invested. I'm really bored. We're struggling. We're struggling and we're struggling to like find, like none of the women are really relatable. We've seen that every character before. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. And I think with Dubai, there's something where we don't, I know that they say they're friends, but I feel like they're not, I don't know. They're not like, it just, Salt Lake does have it all. Well, Salt Lake, Meredith and Lisa. Yeah, I'm a big Lisa stan. I love what she gives. She knows I love what them she's all. doing. Yeah, they all know the assignment. I mean, Meredith in the bathtub. Oh, I mean, it's so, yeah, they really get the assignment. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with Mary Cosby not being there. I'm a little. Mary was one of a kind. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't, I, you know, I do have this theory. You've probably heard it on David's, uh, you know, on our podcast that we do together. But um, Sarah Frazier, Behind the Velvet Rope, we, yep. we put out, simultaneously, basically the, the same podcast, different times. But anyway, you know, I think I personally think, cause obviously Mary owns her own church and has run churches for a long time. I have a theory that, you know, she sort of saw the law coming for people mm. and she wants out because, you know, sometimes with churches, who knows who's counting the money. That's all I'll say. Yeah. She might've been next. <laughs> she knew she might be next and I she was like so. i'm out of here because i think i had read don't quote me you you probably know this better than i do but is it true that one of her churches or the church that we saw on the show has closed well they say it's boarded up yeah yeah like abandoned and i think they they did tease that they're going to show us in the new season the women actually going to the abandoned church really yeah there's like a lot dropping right now of apparently okay. whitney is the villain which I have a hard time imagining, but that's just because of how Whitney creates a narrative. <laughs> but yeah. um, we'll see. It should be. Well, I think this is the season where Heather and Whitney are going to split, which, you know, Ooh. 
Yeah, I think wow. it's going to be dramatic. But well, right. let's talk about narratives, right? Because that's what makes the housewives, in my opinion, what I am so drawn to is like, I will literally now put Peacock on and just like put an old Roni episode or especially the reunions. I'm obsessed with the reunion shows. The reunions are so good. Yes. They're the, they're the, they're the gold. Yeah. yeah. They're the creme de la creme. And I never, it never gets old. Just like hearing Bethany go off on her, you know, analyzing every minutia point with Carol Radzawell. And, oh, um, right. My girl, Carol. I love, I girls. love Carol. Yeah. Yeah. And I think which show right now, I mean, we talked about Dubai, so excluding Dubai, right? Right now we have Beverly Hills, we have Atlanta, um, Jersey just wrapped. Um, like which narrative do you get the most confused by? Like, which are you just shaking your head? Like you're, you can't follow the trail. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say mine is, oh, that's a really a tie between New Jersey and Atlanta because I don't really get into Drew Sedora's drama too much. Like I just, I'm not that invested. So I don't get in, like, even though people say like Drew brings it this season and she's like the greatest, but um, I don't know, you know, I mean, and also I'll say this, like, I thought they really made too much of like Louis' whole thing. Oh yeah. In New Jersey with Louie and Teresa, it was just like, yeah, he's had this shady past. Like exes have, have come out and said these things against him. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that went on and on and on. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I, I understand. Yeah. I it was think... a little dragged out and a little like, okay, wait, but the, by the end I was like, all right, what did Louie do? Like what? Yeah. And I think we were kind of waiting for Teresa to blow up. Like it almost felt like they were pushing yes. Teresa like behind the scenes. Like, okay, you need yes. to like bring something. Yeah, and, 100%. Yeah. And those are always like, I mean, I think with Beverly Hills, there's been so much out there on social media. Like to me, it's the, it's like the only cast that carries, I mean, they all carry drama on social media, but like literally Lisa Rinna dragging Kathy Hill and like everything is, it's almost oh. its own reality show. You could have the Lisa Rinna social media show. Oh my God. 100%. I mean, I see, maybe it's because I'm so invested in Beverly Hills, but I, I follow every storyline there. Like I am never confused, but I also feel the way, the same way about Potomac because obviously, you know, I know the women I I've lived there for so long. So I feel like every shred of drama they have, like I follow. I mean, I, I love that franchise too. Yeah. Now this is right in the reality universe. How do you define authenticity? Because I feel a lot of people are like, is that an authentic show? But we know there's a lot of production behind every show. Authenticity. Oh my God, I love all your questions. I think that it's kind of um, the Bethany, like a little bit of like the Bethany formula. I think what we fell in love with, with Bethany is she started out as the underdog. I think you see that a little bit with like a Heather, you know, in Salt Lake. You see it a little bit... Um, I think Candace kind of came in like that on Potomac to begin with, you know, it's, it's like a little bit if they can recognize their own crazy, but then call other people out. I mean, Rena does it really well. Right. I mean, Rena's like, Oh, I, you know, here's my bag of pills and I'm crazy. And like, you know, but also I'm going to call your shit, you know? So 
I think there's something about if they can be authentic. Whereas like we see with Ramon, like Ramona has no self-reflection. You know what I mean? Like, but And not even in everyday interactions. Like I know people who saw her in the pandemic in Southampton, one of my students who lives there. And she was like, oh, Ramona just brings ice cream into clothing boutique designer stores. And she's like, whatever. If like, that's who she is. She's just, she's checked out. Ramona never wore a mask. You know what I mean? Like Ramona was anti-mask from the damn moment the pandemic started. Like Ramona has, I don't even know if Ramona's had to put a mask on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, are you tuning into the ultimate girls trip? The new season? No, I haven't. Although David Yontif and I have said we are going to watch this. Week. Have you watched the newest Oh my one? gosh, you have to watch that. Is it so good? It's yeah, so good. but like talking about plot points, I think because these girls trips- Right. There's not that continued investment with relationships. So it's kind of interesting to try to figure out what's triggering people where I think um, like, you know, that they're bringing it like in a way, I feel like what makes this different, the ex-wives club from the first one is the first one where like the OGs, this one is more I feel like they're all auditioning. They're like, okay, Andy, here we are. Like, see what you can do with <laughs> they us. Want and their job back. They want their job yes. back. And they are showing it. Like, they're showing yeah. up. And I I love Phaedra from it. Like, I love Phaedra. I miss Phaedra. Oh my gosh. Her yeah. one-liners. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to watch now. Okay. That is like, oh my, my gosh. You have to let me know night. what you think. But okay. yeah, I mean, do you remember that show, Floribama? I don't even know if it's still on. But, I remember the name, but I don't think I ever watched. Yeah, it was kind of like the Jer- Jersey Shore in Florida. And, you know, in ru- it wasn't rural, but somewhere in northern Florida, one of the beaches. And it was trashier in a way than Jersey Shore, <laughs> more dramatic. And like those kind of MTV shows. To me, everyone yeah. always was like, these are the scripted shows, which, yeah, they're definitely more. There's a playbook for them. Um, but I even feel like with 90 day fiance, I'm sure there has to be right. There's so many behind the scenes interactions. Oh my God. So many, so many rules. I mean, completely. They, they also have a formula. I think with 90 day, um, it doesn't seem like, you know, cause to me, keeping up with the Kardashians got to the point. It was just so scripted. It was so like, all right, now we're going to go over to Chris's house and like toilet paper. It was just like, oh my God, this is so fucking dumb. I, I think that there's something really genuine about 90 day because so much of 90 day relies on your family interacting. So I think it's one thing to film like a couple and maybe be massaging like what they're going to do or whatever. But then when you bring in the families, you know, some of these families, many of the families are from different countries. Many of the families live here. I mean, that's where I think you get so much authentic content from them because it's just like, you don't know what they're all going to say. Yeah, it was kind of, did you see Love is Blind on Netflix? Yes, I loved the first season. And Amber and Barnett, who are still married, by the way, came on my podcast. It was one of the best interviews we ever did. Oh my God, it was so good. Yeah, well, and I love, like anyone who's signing up for that, you know what you're doing. Like, in my opinion, they're going there to find romance, maybe to find a sexual dalliance, have a little frisky fun, but- it makes for such good TV. And like, as we're nearing the end, like I was saying to Sarah, we're going to have to have you back on because oh my God, you bring yes, it. Yes. Um, but how did you get into open marriages? <laughs> like, 
not that you're in an open marriage, but how did you I, like, get into that? Talk? I ask my husband all the time. I'm like, Let, and I also watch, uh, well, jokingly, but because I'm too jealous, I'm like way too jealous. Like I like to me, cause I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, I like, I get, I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever, I mean, I'm sure everyone has like emotionless sex. Like I could have emotionless sex with a lot of people. You know what I mean? I could like use them for their hot body. And then I'd be like, Oh, don't ever call me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, but I'm so curious with your view because, like, being a gay man, I actually am about to, I'm not going to shout him out because I'll embarrass him, but I'm about to go to dinner with someone in an open marriage. And oh, okay. Yeah. But, like, see, yes, like Andrew. in the gay community, an open marriage is very, like, it's we have these conversations all the time. But I'm always curious, like, what does that look like in a straight relationship? I have done, I, I am so curious by this. I have had open marriage. I've had couples that are open, open marriages on my show. I've had therapists that talk about it. I mean, ultimately what everybody says is if it's going to work in the straight world, you know, you have to have so much communication. And then ultimately, at least like I interviewed this couple years ago in New York city who'd gone viral, like on the New York post. And I think they were like, like counseling couples through open relationships. Anyway, long story short, they basically said, ultimately, they don't usually work like long-term, like you end up partnered with somebody, you know? Mm. Um, and so it's, it's so, I mean, I always think like, I'm always curious about what people can make work, like in various situations, like good for you. I mean, you know, and part of it, I'm just, I'm just such a lazy fuck that I am so like, <laughs> I'm like, so like, I'm so amused by people. I mean, can you imagine? It's like, I don't need, you know, it's hard enough to satisfy Schman. And now I've got a 15 month old son. And now, I mean, after this, I got to go cook dinner, do another fucking podcast. I mean, it's like, how am I going to get this third woman? You know, how am I going to get this third person over here? You know? And I mean, have you ever slept three people in a bed? No, thank you. I mean, it's like you're sweating. I'm already sweating with two and we got all the fans going. I'm, I'm amazed that people can do this. You know what I mean? I know. I'm well, sure. it's like why well, I've always wanted to go into a type of thruple relationship, like just, oh, I wonder how this will play out. And but you're right. Like the threesome is a seductive fantasy. And yeah, I might have entered a threesome once in a while, but usually it's a couple and they're looking for something specifically. But right. I know once I leave, like there's you have is to know there's so not you're not continuing this is it so awkward afterwards like that's the thing or is it like pretty casual like do you feel like you've already known the couple so long that when you guys all hook up it's like oh all right I think it depends on I've learned that and everyone out there it's not like I do this every <laughs> night <laughs> there's only been a few times but I think it depends on like if it's a couple who's new to me it works better than when I knew one of the partnered people and I didn't know the other person because then you have you have chemistry with a person already if that makes sense yeah okay I could see that okay I totally get that so so basically your advice is if Schman and I are going to have a threesome we should do it with a stranger that we have yeah, chemistry with, there you right? go. okay <laughs> a stranger yes <laughs> well and then is there a lot of small talk after like I mean, or you guys like, like, what do you do? Do you just like, I'll go have drinks? I don't know. Or you have the drinks before. God, this yeah, is no, so I would say hard. drinks before and then just like resting on the couch after and then just leave. <laughs> like, you know, kind of like just signal that you're going to go to sleep. Like you and Schman, like, okay. That's the thing too. I mean, 
like, do they hang out? Like, I feel like people love to fucking sit on your sofa and they just stay there. Like I also, this is the thing. I love people in small doses. So that I feel like I can't, I am fascinated by it, but I could never be on like seeking sister wife, which is on TLC, which is all these couples looking for like, to add like a third, like woman, fourth woman. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I, I can't even like two hours with someone is max. And then it's like, get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Exactly. I well, I like think I, hanging out. I think we, uh, you know, off air, I'll talk with Sarah because it seems like, you know, this is a fantasy, but not something you might, you know, actually physicalize. I think that's a word. Um, but yeah, Sarah, this was oh so enjoyable. Andrew, I know I'm like you. questioning my decisions. <laughs> oh my God, don't. I love you. And just blame it on me. Um, no, I am. I need all your advice, but I think you've realized from this conversation that I have way other, so many other issues aside from even getting to the third person. <laughs> no, but I think out. too, I've realized there has to be, you're making me manifest that I need to like create this like gay male reality show. Cause I think we need something out there. That's oh my God. It'd be so good. It like not just so dating, good. like just the lives of them. And then it also needs to be a show about gay guys teaching women how to have like non-emotional sex, because I mean, I feel like gay go. guys can do that and it's so great. And more women need to be casual about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, and I, I will be on that myself. Cause I'm very jealous of Schman. Like, I don't want Schman. I don't, I like, I would love if Schman even had no friends and that's terrible. <laughs> but you know what? I think the first sign is you recognizing that you're going through these thoughts, like psychoanalyzing yourself. I like it. You've you're working through all these issues out loud. Andrew, I love, you know, I really, you are doing a terrific job on your podcast and you should give yourself a lot of credit. Most people in the first year or two of launching a show do not get, you know, David Yontif told me to come on this show. He oh. really respects you. And David's like, I mean, he's an unbelievable podcaster and businessman. Um, and Dana Wilkie and myself and like everybody else you mentioned, I mean, I give yourself credit. You're doing it. This is oh, amazing. Sarah, thank you. Well, this was amazing. I now I'm gonna go to this dinner date and just be like, you know what? <laughs> I didn't mention your name, but do you ever you probably do that too, where you're like, I mean, Schman is probably knows everything is out there. See, I feel like now oh I still no, tip and wait until people. you wait until you are in this thruple. People get very like Schman gets, I have to clear <laughs> some topics with Schman. He does not, there's certain things he does not want me talking about. Yeah, well, they really are. He gets very okay. mad. Well, I think, well, we'll continue this. You know, Sarah, you are welcome back here anytime. Oh, we have a lot more back. to talk about. I need to watch 90 Day Fiance and then get you back. Come on my show and talk about it. Start watching 90 Day Fiance. Okay. I Love a Mom's Boy is all about guys that are in relationships, but they're addicted to their moms and their moms come Ooh. over and shave their backs and like oh all gosh. this stuff. So pick a show. I watched them all seeking sister wife. They're all looking for like thruples and quadruples and everything, sex tuplets and whatever else they're looking for. So pick one and then come on my okay. show. I'd love to talk about it. Okay, I'm going to start doing my research now. Thank you, yeah. Sarah. Enjoy LA. Thank you. You're I making it. me feel like I need to go soon, which I will. I'll oh manifest God, it. The, look, I, I I know everyone that's from New York is going to hate this, but I it's the greatest city in the world. I just think, sorry. Sorry, New York. Yeah, no, it's a great, I don't know. I'm open to so many cities, so I'll add it to my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, Andrew. Bye, Sarah. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia. I'm Andrew Rimby, the Executive Director. Our team includes Mary DePippi, our Chief Contributor, Nicole Arguello, our Marketing Assistant, and Kimberly Dallas, our Editor. Ivory Tower Boiler Room episodes come out on Monday, and sometimes I'm joined by a guest co-host. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. And here's Mary. Hello, everyone. I am the host of True Crime and Academia. Do not forget to follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia. And coming soon, there will be a Twitter also at True Crime and Academia. Now, if you're like me, you like to have bonus episodes. I love extra content, don't you? So go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. Not only do you have access to our video interviews, but you will also be able to access never before seen bonus episodes. So like I said, you can't, we don't release them anywhere else. You can only get those on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber today. And don't forget to listen to ivory tower boiler room on Mondays and true crime and academia on Tuesdays.